Turn this morning to the book of Acts, if you would, Acts chapter number 23, Acts chapter number 23, and this year, of course, with our theme being one of action, uh, we have been in the book of Acts every Sunday uh, since the beginning of the year, and we'll continue to do so at least through the end of the year. Uh, we may even go into next year, but uh, I have enjoyed uh, going through uh, the book of Acts, and tonight uh, I'm going to go back, Lord willing, if the Lord doesn't change my mind towards the uh, uh, several chapters back to bring the message this evening, uh, but this morning we're going to be in Acts chapter number 23. I am going to read the first 11 verses, uh, the first 10 will give us context uh, to our uh, text verse, which is verse number 11, and that's where we'll get our message from uh, this morning, but uh, we have been, uh, in these last recent chapters, uh, we see the life of the Apostle Paul and uh, how uh, he is bouncing from, uh, he's been a ministry from city to city, starting churches, ministering to Christians, winning people to Christ, preaching of a risen Savior, uh, but he has also encountered some trouble. Uh, he is all, that's how we know he was a Baptist preacher, because everywhere he went, uh, trouble followed him. Uh, but he has also encountered some trouble uh, with uh, different persecutions, and not everybody likes the message of the Lord Jesus Christ. Uh, there, are, there are many who respond to it, as you and I have responded to it. We accepted the Lord Jesus Christ as our Savior. And when we heard uh, that he was that sin sacrifice and he died for us and he, he paid our sin debt, everybody who's saved this morning, when you heard that message, it may not have been the first time, but it may have been the first time you said, that's the most wonderful thing I've ever heard. I have to accept his payment. And you readily receive the Lord Jesus Christ. But there are many in this world today, just as there was then, who reject Jesus, who don't let they get upset when you preach that message of truth to them. And, and thus is the situation with the Apostle Paul. Let's begin reading in verse number 1 of Acts chapter 23. And Paul, earnestly beholding the council, said, Men and brethren, I have lived in all good conscience before God until this day. And the high priest Ananias commanded them that stood by him to smite him on the mouth. Then said Paul unto him, God shall smite thee, thou whited wall, for sittest thou to judge me after the law, and commandest me to be smitten contrary to the law. And they that stood by said, Revilest thou God's high priest? Then said Paul, I wist not, brethren, that he was the high priest, for it is written, Thou shalt not speak evil of the ruler of thy people. But when Paul perceived that the one part were Sadducees and the other Pharisees, he cried out in the council, Men and brethren, I am a Pharisee, the son of a Pharisee, of the hope and resurrection of the dead, I am called in question. And when he had so said, there arose a dissension between the Pharisees and the Sadducees, and the multitude was divided. For the Sadducees say that there is no resurrection, neither angel nor spirit, but the Pharisees confess both. And there arose a great cry, and the scribes that were of the Pharisees' part arose and strove, saying, We find no evil in this man, but if a spirit or an angel has spoken to him, let us not fight against God. And when there arose a great dissension, the chief captain, fearing lest Paul should have been pulled in pieces of them, commanded the soldiers to go down and to take him by force from among them, and to bring him into the castle. Now, we get an idea of what Paul is dealing with. He's been called again 
in front of a religious council. We see the response of the high priest uh, once Paul began to speak. And then I liken what, what Paul does here to uh, when Jesus said, Be harmless as doves, but be wise as serpents. Uh, he perceived that in that crowd there's Pharisees and there's Sadducees. Uh, they agreed on the point of, uh, we don't like what he's preaching, that is Jesus and only, and only Jesus. It makes our religion ineffective. But he perceived that there, he knew there was a great difference. As the scripture reminds us, the Pharisees believed in the resurrection. The Sadducees did not. And Paul, with a little bit of wisdom, reminded them that, hey, I'm a Pharisee. I'm not just a Pharisee, I'm the son of a Pharisee. And so now for the Pharisees to condemn, condemn him uh, was, was to shine a, put their, their beliefs in a poor light. And then the Sadducees are saying, wait a minute, he's not one of us. The Pharisees are now saying, no, he is one of us. And Paul used that wisdom to divide the crowd. The scripture tells us that because of this great dissension, Paul was still in danger. And we find uh, the soldiers taking him from that council, and he finds himself in prison again. Look at verse number 11. And the night following, the Lord stood by him and said, Be of good cheer, Paul, for as thou hast testified of me in Jerusalem, so must thou bear witness also at Rome. Paul finds himself in prison. But even in the spite of being in prison again, his life in danger again, enduring hardships again, he discovers that he is not forsaken, he is not forgotten, he is not alone. This morning, I want to preach a, a message I've entitled, Comfort for Suffering Servants. Comfort for suffering servants. Let's pray. Father, I pray this morning uh, that you will enable us to get exactly what you would have us to get from this message. May the Holy Spirit of God be our instructor this morning. May uh, you fill me with his power this morning. May uh, the message be clear and plain, but may the Holy Spirit uh, speak to hearts this morning. Father, most of all, if there's one unsaved, one unsure of their eternity, may they get that settled this morning. May they realize there is but one way to the Father, and that's through the Lord Jesus Christ. Father, I pray that this morning's message will be a reminder that you have never forsaken one of your own. You have never forgotten your people. And Father, I pray your will will be done this morning, for it's in Jesus' name we pray. Amen. I'm going to make several statements this morning by way of introduction, and then we'll get into the outline as it pertains to verse number 11. Uh, let me say, first of all, uh, by way of introduction, Christians are not exempt from suffering. Uh, Christians are not exempt from suffering. The greatest day in your life, the greatest day of my life, is when we trusted Christ as our Savior. It can't get any better than that. To know that our sins have been forgiven, to put our faith and trust in the Lord Jesus Christ. I do not have time, certainly in an introduction, but I do not even have time in the, if I took the whole time of the message this morning to talk about everything we got when we got salvation. There's just not enough time this morning to do it. But that is the greatest day of your life, the greatest day of my life. 
but that does not exempt us from suffering. It doesn't exempt us from burdens. See, suffering, the comfort for suffering servants. Pastor, what are you talking about suffering? Suffering can be sorrow. Uh, Suffering can be sickness. Uh, Suffering can be physical pain. It can be burden. But you and I as a Christian are not exempt from that. And let me just say, uh, before I give you the the few more statements in the introduction this morning, uh, there's not a greater life in the world to live than the saved life, than, than, than the Christian life than the serving life. Uh, I love serving God. I love the fact that uh, God in heaven loved me enough to send His Son to pay my sin debt. Friend, there's not a greater story that could possibly ever be told. Uh, I am so thankful for my salvation. It's the greatest life in the world, but it is often a suffering life of service. The Christian, Christian is not exempt from suffering. The second statement, in fact, a life of service is often a life of hardship. I'm going to tell you the truth this morning. For, for many Christians, the closer you get to your God, the more you serve Him, the more burdens you're going to have to carry. I'm going to tell you the truth this morning. I, I'm not going to try and sugarcoat it. I'm not going to try and uh, have it surprise you down the line. The more you decide to do for God, the more suffering perhaps you are going to have to endure. The more inflictions, the more uh, things that you are going to have to bear as a Christian. Uh, next statement. Some Christians will suffer more than other, others. So it's just the way it is. We don't understand why it is. We don't understand all of God's reasoning. Some Christians will suffer more than other Christians. You and I have to be very careful. Uh, if, if, if you see a Christian suffering more than another, you are not to assume that you know what is going on in the life of that Christian. Some are going to suffer more than others. Some are going to have burdens that you do not have to bear. But the other side of that coin, perhaps this morning, Christian, you may have burdens to bear that other Christians don't have to bear. Uh, there, is, there, is, there is suffering that some Christians are going to endure that others do not have. Uh, statement number four, by way of introduction this morning. There is a difference in suffering and chastisement. I want some of you to listen to me very, very carefully. There's a difference in suffering and chastisement. Chastisement is a result of what you are doing in your life. Suffering is a result of what God is doing in your life. Did you catch the difference? Chastisement is a result of what you are doing in your life. As a child of God, as you begin to get away from God, God is going to do some things to bring you back to Him. Suffering is a result of what God is doing in your life. Let me just say this before I give you the fifth statement this morning. Some of you need to stop beating yourself up about the way you lived before you got saved. The way you live before you got right with God. The burden you carry today, more than likely, is not related in any regard to what you did before you were a saved individual. The the burden, the hardship you may be going through today may have nothing to do. Nothing to do. Christian, every time we have a burden, every time we have a heartache, don't let the devil sit on your shoulder and say, Yep, that's because you did such and such. Yep, that's because you got away from God. 
Yep, that's because before you were saved, you lived this way and this way and this way and this way. Sin has a natural way of bringing about some things in our flesh, in our life. But just because you have a burden today does not mean God is punishing you for something you did 20 years ago, 30 years ago. There is a difference in chastisement and suffering. And the devil many times will take what God is trying to do in your life and he'll make you feel guilty for what you did way back in the past. There is a difference in chastisement and suffering. The, the, the child of God who is not serving the day and comes in about difficulty, more than likely, that's chastisement. Because they are away from God. But the Christian who is trying to do their best, not a perfect Christian, uh, by any stretch of the imagination, they fail, they stumble, but yet they're still trying to please God. Uh, and you have some burdens this morning. You may have a sickness this morning. You may have some sorrow this morning. That is a result of what God is trying to do in your life, not what you've done in your life. There is a distinct difference, and many of you need to get the victory over that. Our God is a good God. Our God is a loving God. Our God is a God of grace and a God of mercy. If you and I, well, that's just what I deserve. Friend, if you and I got what we deserve, we'd be in hell this morning. And even after salvation, if we got what we deserve, we wouldn't be here. We wouldn't be enjoying the things that we do get to enjoy. God has been gracious to us beyond what you and I can even comprehend. Your burden this morning, quit blaming, quit letting the devil convince you it's because of something you did way in the past. God is a good God. He's not going to keep beating you up. He's not going to keep taking you back to the woodshed over and over and over for something that he put under the blood of his son. Anybody out there this morning? Are you with me this morning? But God allows suffering to take place in the life of a Christian not to punish them because he's trying to do something with them. The fifth statement by introduction this morning I'll say is this. We don't know what God is doing in our life and the life of somebody else. I mentioned just a moment ago, a Christian to be very, very careful. As one of the statements I made, some Christians, God has decided that He's going to allow them to carry burdens that are heavier than another Christian would carry. And just as I've already mentioned, chastisement and suffering are two different things, and God's not going to continue to beat you up for something that Christ forgave you of. He's not going to continue to do that. He's not going to, don't you sit back and look at somebody else's suffering, somebody else's sorrow, somebody else's burden, and say, I wonder what they did. If my memory serves me correctly, there were some who came to Jesus and said, who sinned in the life of this person who had this infirmity? Was it his parents? Was it his grandparents? He said, no, that I might get glory. We don't know what God is doing. And on the heels of that, let me say, quit trying to figure it out. Quit trying to get an explanation. If you're, we're not in hell this morning, so anything that we have beyond that, we got to fall on our face and say, thank you, Lord, for saving me. Thank you, Lord, for allowing me to serve you. Along the way, there are going to come burdens, suffering. I cannot explain to you this morning why some of you are sick, have the sickness you have. If, if, if I were God, you would not have that. But I think we're all thankful this morning. I'm not God. Uh, I can't explain it to you. It's not because of what you did when you were unsaved. I can't explain to you why 
you have some suffering that you have. I can't explain to you why you have a broken heart that others do not have. There are things to the servant of God that make no sense to you and I, but for some reason, God has decided this is the way it's going to be, this is how it's going to take place, and there are servants who have to endure suffering. Paul was one of those servants. There was not a better Christian. There was not a better servant of God. But yet we find him again in prison. Suffering is something that God allows and God uses. But this morning, I want to give you some comfort to the suffering servant this morning. I want to remind you from Scripture uh, to the one this morning, if, as your pastor, if I could take your burden away, I'd take it away. But in doing so, I might would hinder the work of God. I, I would at least oftentimes, Pastor, can you explain to me why I have to go through this? Can you explain to me why this happened? And as, as, as your pastor, I want to give you an answer. I want to help solve this problem. But there are sometimes... There is no answer, there is no explanation, but God has a plan and we've got to trust Him. This morning, this message is not designed to tell you why you have your burden. It's not designed to tell you why you have to endure suffering. It's just to give you some comfort this morning as you serve God, some things for you to remember. We find in our passage of Scripture, first of all, we find Paul's reality. And this is where some Christians, you need to get this point right here and get it established of your reality. Paul's reality was a reality of hardship. Paul was never going to stay in the five-star hotel. He was never going to be the hero that he is to you and I today. He was always going to be misunderstood. He had a reality of hardship. He had a reality of suffering. It was that every day he dealt with this and We don't know what his quote-unquote thorn in the flesh was, but we know he had it. We know he petitioned God to remove it. We know God said, I will not remove it, but I'll give you the grace to endure it. So we know he had suffering. That was his reality. He had a reality of injustice. Even in our passage of Scripture, we see how unfairly, how unjust he had been treated. You and I as Christians, injustice, that is the reality of it. Paul, it would have done him no good to deny his reality. And Christian, you cannot have the comfort you need. You cannot have the victory you need. You cannot have the strength through the Holy Spirit of God to sustain your burden, your need, your weakness. If you first don't get to your place of reality and say, this is what I have to deal with. This is my new normal. This is my new reality. I've got to accept that this is what God has allowed me to go through. I have to accept the fact that this is the health that I have now. I have to accept the fact that this is the, the, the burden that I'll be carrying. I have to accept the fact that I have a, a broken heart because of some situation. You denying the reality, you're never going to get the help you need. You're never going to get the comfort you need. Quit trying to figure it out, wish it away, and say, God, for some reason, you have allowed this to come to me. You've allowed this to come to my home. You've allowed this to come to my family. This is the reality that I am in. Let me make this statement. Don't rebel against your reality. Don't live in a dream world. Don't pretend your reality is not your reality. 
don't rebel against it. So I, I, I don't like, this is not how I planned uh, my, my life. This is not where I thought I would be. This is not, I remember the things I used to be able to do. I remember the way it was before this event took place. I remember what it was like to not have this broken heart. You can remember it. You can pine for it. You can wish it was not so. That does not change the fact that you have the burden you have. You have the reality you have. Stop rebelling against against it don't live in a dream world live in reality well, well I, I don't know what if, if I accept this then I'm stuck with it you're probably stuck with it anyway whether you accept it or not but until you accept it you're not going to be of a place where God can give you the victory maybe not by removing it from you but by giving you the comfort you need to sustain your reality. Paul accepted his reality. When Paul met Jesus as that unsaved murderer on the road to Damascus, and then as that man Ananias mentored him, if you will, discipled him, if you will, and set him on the course to do great things for God. In his mind, I don't think Paul saw every prison. I don't think he saw the, all the beatings. I don't think he saw all the rejection. It was just, I get to serve the one who saved me. And such was the case with you, Christian. That God would save me. Jesus would die for me. And I get to serve him. I get to do something for him. And oh, it's going to be a wonderful life. And it's going to be a life of, of, of no sorrow. It's going to be a life of great. And friend, there is no greater way to live this life than to serve God. There's no greater satisfaction than knowing God used me to honor him. God used me to make a difference in the life of somebody else. That is the greatest feeling in the world after serving God all day like some of you did yesterday. That tired feeling, that's the best kind of tired there is knowing that you made a difference in the life of somebody else. That's all you saw when you got in this thing. That's all you thought of and dreamed of. What could I do for God? You never saw the burden coming that you have today. You never saw the sickness coming. You never saw the broken heart coming. You never saw the injustice coming. You never saw it coming. Don't rebel against it. Because just as much as it was God's plan for you to serve Him, God allows things to come into your life. That's His plan too. Paul accepted that reality. Let me point out secondly this morning, in the midst of that reality was Christ's presence. The night following the Lord stood by him. The Lord stood by him. Paul goes to a, another prison cell. He's chained once again. Now that he gets in that cell, we don't know how rough those guards with him. Perhaps that's the first time he's had a chance to wipe the blood from his mouth as his lip is bruised and swelling from the guards smiting him. It's not a place of comfort. And as he sits there knowing that the truth has been rejected once again, and make no mistake, Paul the bold preacher was still a man. He still had fears. 
And can you imagine as he was chained once again, imprisoned once again, am I ever going to get to Rome? Am I ever going to do what it is that I saw? What I saw that God was going to allow me to do, here's all these hindrances, this reality, I've never, and here he is alone again, he thought. Here he is in that dark place again, but notice the scripture, the night following the Lord stood by him. Isn't it wonderful to know that Paul was not alone? Paul was not forsaken. Now, the Bible does not tell us the suffering ended. The Bible does not tell us that he, he, was, he was now in a place of comfort. As a matter of fact, the Scripture confirms the opposite. But yet, in the midst of his suffering, there was the presence of his Savior. There, in the midst of what would be the darkest times, there he is, The God who saved him, the God who called him, was the God who was with him in his suffering. And friend, let me just offer you some comfort this morning. I can't tell you that your burden is going to go away. I can't tell you that your suffering is going to cease. I can't tell you your heart is going to be mended. I cannot tell you you got days of ease ahead of you. But I can tell you this, in those days that are dark and lonely in your struggle, you're not all by yourself. You're not all alone. If you'll stop and you'll focus, and this is my reality, this is where I am, this is part of what God has for me. This is part of God's will for me. And before he ever fashioned this earth, he fashioned me. And he fashioned my life. And he, and he sent his son to save me. And he knew I would accept the Lord Jesus as my Savior. And he had a plan for my life. And it included my burden. It included suffering. But friend, in those times, you're not all by yourself. You're not all alone. You hear this sometimes, well, I just have to go through this all by myself. Why? You have a God who will be with you. You have a God who will sustain you. We find there in verse number 11, in the night following, the Lord stood by him. Friend, I'd rather be in a prison with God with me than than living a life of ease and have no presence of God, God nowhere to be found. And if God ordains for me to have to have a stop at a prison cell, uh, to stop at a doctor's office, a stop and a heavier burden than others have, but if he'll go with me, his presence will be there with me. Friend, that signed me up for that. I want to know God is with me. I want to have his presence in my life. And in your dark days when no man can comfort you, if you'll look close enough, you'll find you have not been forsaken. God has not given up on you. God has not turned his back. Well, and, and this is where we go back to number one, where some of you need to, to, to accept your reality. This is part of the will of God. You can't get comfort because you're still beating yourself up because you think it's chastisement. And it's, and, it's, and, it's, and it's suffering that God has allowed because he's doing something in your life. He is going to use you to his honor and his glory. And until you accept the fact that this is the reality of God's will for my life, when God's trying to comfort you, you're complaining to him. You're fussing at him. You're questioning, why have you, God, why have you been unfair to me? 
I'll just remind us one more time the fact that we'll never, never, never spend a moment in hell. Boy, uh, yeah, yeah, God's been unfair to us. That's what we deserve. But yet in His love and His mercy, He's made a way for us to never have to pay the consequences of our sin. But friend, this morning we find that Paul accepted his reality, and in his reality, his reality was not something that he, a pleasant place that he chose, but we find Christ's presence. Friend, I cannot emphasize this enough. I will never leave thee, nor forsake thee. God is not going to send you down the pathway of the will of your life and not go with you. He's not going to give you a burden and then leave you all by yourself. The prison, I would dare say, Paul would not have chosen. But he certainly had no interruptions there. In communion with his God. Well, I'm all by myself. Nobody else can understand what I'm going through. Why don't you talk to God about it? You know what does us good as Christians? To have no man that can sympathize with us because then we have to go to the one who created us, the one who knows all about it. And if you, the first thing you did was not go to Facebook, the first thing you did was not call your friend, the first thing you did was not even to, to call your pastor and say, what in the world I, what am I going to do? The first thing you did was you sat down and said, okay, God, are you there? And of course, he will be there with you and talk to him, fellowship with him. <clears throat> Thirdly, and I must hasten, we find in this prison and Paul's reality and his suffering, we find Christ's words. What are they? In the night following, the Lord stood by him and said, Be of good cheer, Paul. I would say that these words would apply and ought to have the same meaning to us today. Be of good cheer. This is not what Paul, I'm sure, had envisioned. And once again, he finds hardship. Once again, he finds a suffering. Once again, uh, he finds himself in a situation that is, that, that is uncomfortable. And, and, and there's fears and there's and, and, and everything that any other man would have. He's experiencing in those emotions. But we find Christ's words, be of good cheer. And again, this morning, as I've already said, I cannot tell you. Uh, the reason you have your burden. I cannot tell you why you, you have this sickness. I cannot tell you why you have this sorrow that you deal with. I cannot tell you why you are dealing with the thing that you have to deal with. But all I can do this morning is from the scripture offer you some comfort. And may I use the words of our Lord this morning and say, be of good cheer. It's not, it's not all over. It's not, it's not the, well, well, it's just, my, my life is just not what I turned out to be. But friend, didn't we give our life to God? Didn't we say, use me in the way that you would want me to be used? Mold me in the way that you would mold me? Anything that I can do for you is an honor and a privilege. And we find, he says, be of good cheer. Let me be very practical and help you this morning. It ain't as bad as you make it out. How many times... How many days have you lived when you weren't going to get through that day? And here you are, having got through that day, having got through that difficulty. And can I be the voice of reality again this morning and say, 
There's been others before you that have gone through it. There'll be others after you that have gone through it. And what you and I have to be reminded is be of good cheer. Say, why would he say to him, be of good cheer? Well, God has not forsaken. He is near. Friend, let me remind you this morning, you ought to be of good cheer. God loves you enough that he would never leave you. God loves you enough that he would go through your valley with you. Haven't you noticed the reality of life when everything is going good and you're on those mountaintop experiences? There's so many friends to find. There's so many companions to be around. But it's in those dark dark hours when no man is around you you see the crowd dissipate but be of good cheer this morning because there is one who could actually give you strength for your burden that's God himself and he is with you and he is near and as I've already mentioned in the opening prayer this morning before you were ever placed on this earth he gave you the answer he gave you the strength that you're going to need to sustain yourself and he wants to remind you this morning hey suffering servant of mine I, I, you don't understand why you're going through what you're going through and, and, and I can't explain it to you now because your mind couldn't comprehend it but be of good cheer I have I have a purpose. I have a plan. I am near. I have not forsaken you. He says, be of good cheer, Paul, because we know all things work together for good. All things are not good, but in my plan, they work together for good. Be of good cheer, Paul, because I have not left you. I have not forsaken you. And Christian, this morning, I can't remove your burden. I can't remove your heartache. I, I, I don't have the, the ability to change a, a doctor's report, to, to change a sickness that you deal with. I can't do that at all. I can tell you this morning, it's not chastisement. It is very well is suffering for the servant of God. God has decided to do something in your life. But what I can tell you this morning is you got to be of good cheer because God is still God. And He has not forsaken you. He has not forgotten you. Fourthly and finally, we find in Paul's reality in his suffering we find comfort in the last thing I'll mention this morning. He says, be of good cheer, Paul. And that's, before I move on, just the fact that he said, be of good cheer, Paul. He knew Paul by name. And old Christian, let me remind you, be of good cheer. And he knows your name. He knows about you. We find, as he says, be of good cheer, Paul, for as thou hast testified of me in Jerusalem, so must thou bear witness also at Rome. The Lord does reveal part of his plan. And that's what we find, fourthly, this morning, as we find Christ's plan. He says, for thou hast testified of me in Jerusalem, so must thou bear witness also at Rome. You notice those two words bear witness. That was the life of the Apostle Paul. Was to bear witness of the Lord Jesus Christ. Was to bear witness of his death, his burial, and his resurrection. To bear witness, and that's the issue the Sadducees and the Pharisees and all that religious crowd had was he was bearing witness that Jesus was greater than the law. And because of Jesus, you no longer needed the law. And now you had a risen, a resurrected Savior. All he did was spend his ministry bearing witness. But friend, I want you to see a couple of things here. As, as, we, as we wind down and prepare to close, he has a plan for him to continue to bear witness. See, 
Paul was a, was a testimony to the saving power of the Lord Jesus Christ. Paul, as we read in our text this morning, was a Pharisee. He was the son of a Pharisee. It was ingrained in him. He was a Christian killer. He was the one who created havoc on the church. And if, if this one he preached about could transform his life, could save his life, then friend, the testimony was very clear. Anybody could be saved. Anybody could be transformed. And we find that Paul was a, was a testimony of the saving power of the Lord Jesus Christ. But Paul was also, it was also evident that Paul was a chosen vessel. I believe Paul was an educated man. I, believe, I know he was an educated man. I believe he was an orator. I believe he had a lot of ability in his, in his presentation, if you will. I, we know he had the power of the Holy Spirit upon his life and upon his ministry and how the Holy Spirit of God would move in the hearts of men. But there was another aspect of the Apostle Paul that God used to his honor and his glory, and that was the fact that Paul was a chosen vessel of God. He was to say he was chosen in the wisdom that he had. That's not what I'm talking about. He was chosen in his, in his ability to speak in his public speaking. That's not what I'm talking about. He was chosen in the fact that he was spirit-filled. That's not what I'm talking about because any Christian can be spirit-filled. And quite frankly, every Every Christian should be spirit-filled. That, that, that's a command for every Christian. That's an opportunity for every Christian. Well, how was he a chosen vessel of God? He was chosen because he was going to go and preach the gospel. Yes, that is a call that God puts on the life of some individuals, but he was a chosen vessel because God gave him suffering. God gave him discomfort. God gave him burdens. God gave him hardship. God allowed injustice to take place in his life. And every time, he didn't turn his back on God. There were men who would see, look what God did in the life of this individual. And he could still stand and give glory to God in spite of his suffering, in spite of his injustice, in spite of the wrong that had been done, in spite of the fact that he did have a physical ailment. He could still press on and he could still do what God had him to do because he was a chosen vessel by God to bear that suffering. I don't have time this morning, but we could go to Scripture. And suffering is something that God allows in the life of a Christian so that they might be a chosen vessel, so that the world can see there's something that God is doing in this person. You can have victory to overcome. You can have grace to continue on. He was a chosen vessel. He was a testimony of God's grace, of advancing the cause. And God was going to use His suffering. God was going to use his hardship, don't miss this, to advance the will of God for his life. Notice the last part of that verse. For as thou hast testified of me in Jerusalem, so must thou bear witness also at Rome. Well, I'm certain we'll see it as we continue through the book how does Paul fulfill the will of God for his life? How does Paul accomplish that thing that when God placed him in the ministry, he knew that God had for him to preach the gospel in Rome? Maybe when the Lord first impressed that on him, 
Maybe he imagined it as a victor as he would march through the streets of Rome as the Pharisee who had been saved and be welcomed with open arms. But you and I, we probably, even the casual observer of Scripture, we, can, we understand that Paul is going to get to Rome not as a conquering here. He's going to get by way of the prison cell. It's the very suffering that he endures that allows God to use him to fulfill his will. And friend, this morning, let me offer you comfort. If I had the power to change your circumstances, I don't like to see people I care about suffer and have to endure hardships. But friend, let me offer you some comfort this morning. The very thing you struggle with, the very discomfort you have in your body, the very heart that breaks because of disappointment and injustice and things that have been wrong and those that have hurt you, the, the very disappointment that you have because life did not turn out the way you thought it would turn out, that very uh, a, a bit of suffering, uh, the, 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 the hardship that you have to go through, uh, can, I, can I just offer you some comfort this morning? It is not the thing that is going to keep you from fulfilling the will of God for your life. It will be the very thing that will allow you to fulfill the will of God for your life. Because, friend, you and I have one purpose, and it should be our one desire, is to bring honor and glory to our Savior with our life. And if, and if me preaching to tens of thousands of people brings honor to him, then so be it. But in the life of the Apostle Paul, if he's in the prison of a, of a prison ship, uh, traveling from city to city to be tried uh, because of what he's preaching, then, then if that's the way God wants to have honor, then so be it. And friend, your life, you may not have envisioned it like it is now. And there are things you want to do for God and you wanted to do, and you wanted to do for God. But somewhere along the line, something you never saw come and happen. Somewhere along the line, there was a pain and discomfort in your body that you had never felt before. Hey, quit denying the reality you're in. God has allowed it. God has not just allowed it. He's crafted it. He's designed it. He's chosen you to endure that affliction, endure that suffering. And friend, the more you do for God, the more you're going to have to endure the closer you get to Christ, the more you're going to have to endure. And that thing you endure today, you look at it as the hindrance to the will of God in your life. It is not the hindrance of the will of God to your life. It is the very tool that God will use to allow you to fulfill the will of God for, for your life. Will allow you to bring honor and glory to Him. Be of good cheer. Because your dreams are not dashed. Your goals are not gone. As a matter of fact, Paul, for as thou hast testified of me in Jerusalem, so must thou bear witness also at Rome. I don't know what God's will is for every life in here. I don't know what God's purpose is for, for, for really for anybody. I, other than I know we're all supposed to bring honor and glory to Him. I believe I have an idea of my life of what God would have for me, but I don't even know everything God has planned for me in my life. 
But I do know this. I do know that Bible well enough to know that there is a difference between suffering and chastisement, as I mentioned. Chastisement is a tool to bring somebody back in fellowship with God. Suffering, hardship, is a tool for some others to see what God is doing in the life of a Christian. Quit looking at your burden as anything other, and this is my opportunity to trust God. This is my opportunity to let others see Him in me. See, there is comfort in our suffering. See, well, I can't because of my health. There are things I cannot do with my children. They're going to suffer for it. Can I tell you, the greater thing than you getting in the backyard and throwing a ball or you spending some time in some other facet is for a child to watch the grace of God work in the life of their parents, to watch the faith of a mother and a father believing in their God, that is a greater education, that is a greater gift than in any amount of time. And I'm not against spending time. You ought to spend time with your children. But some of you need to stop beating yourself up and saying, why has God allowed this to happen? And when God is really teaching your children a greater lesson, He's really doing a greater work in their life because He's allowing difficulty in yours, because He's allowing suffering in yours, and they can see and say Christianity is real. That my, the God of my parents, that's the God I want because I know He's a good God. I know He's a gracious God. But can I just help you this morning? If you're always complaining about your suffering, you're always complaining about your difficulty because you haven't accepted it, you're planting those seeds in the minds of others who are watching, who are listening, that I may glory in my infirmity. You don't know, Christian, who would have quit, but they saw you keep going. You don't know who would have given up. You don't know who's watching you right now. It could be somebody in your family. It could be somebody that lives on your street. It could be somebody that works in your office, and the day is going to come. And adversity is going to come to them. They're going to say, I've seen this world and what they do to deal with their adversity. But I've watched this Christian. And I've watched how they have dealt with their adversity. I want that. You don't know who's watching. You don't know who's been encouraged. God could have placed you on this earth to get the attention of one soul. And to do it, He had to allow an infirmity to come in. He had to allow a hardship to come. He had to allow an injustice to be done so that you could bear witness 
of a good God. You could bear witness that there's something more to serving God than just when we're reaping all of those obvious blessings. There's comfort, not in the bars of a prison cell, but there's comfort in knowing that when you're in that prison cell, you're not all alone. Friend, you may be dealing with something this morning that no man can sympathize with you about. God can. Be of good cheer. Well, Pastor, I'm discouraged. Be of good cheer. Pastor, I want to quit. Be of good cheer. Why? Because God has not forsaken you. He has allowed this. He has chosen you. Because not everybody can endure. Not everybody's going to trust God. He has chosen you. You are a chosen vessel to bear the injustice, to bear the suffering, to bear the hardship so that others might see there is something to the Lord Jesus Christ. There is a life that is greater than living for yourself in this morning except the reality of where God's got you and be encouraged. The suffering may never be taken away till you're in glory. The burden may never be lifted until you're in glory. But friend, you have a God that loves you. You have a God that will sustain you. You have a God that never will for, for forsake you. And you have a God that is crafted and allowed these things to take place in your life because it is a way for you to give honor to Him. It is a way for you to give glory to Him. And when this world looks at you and says, that's the, the Christian, and they've got, they, 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 it's been unfair to them, and they've got some hardship, and they've had some bad things happen to them, and they've got sickness that I wouldn't want to have, but yet they still have a smile on their face, and yet they still haven't given up on God, and yet they still believe that God is a good God. That gives honor and glory in greater ways than anything else that you and I could do. Be comforted this morning, servant of God, in your suffering. God hasn't forsaken you. Let me say again what I've already said this morning. He's not punishing you either. Some of you, when this invitation time starts, you need to come down to this altar and you need to get that settled with God. That it's not a punishment for something you did 30 years ago. He's trying to do something in your life now. He's trying, he's trying for you to submit to Him now. For you to give uh, your infirmity to Him now. And say, God, how would you have, have my life be used? You see, some of you, you haven't surrendered enough to God to say, Well, God, this is how I wanted you to use me, but you've chosen a different way to use me. I'll surrender to that. And if it's a life of suffering, it's not what I would choose. But as long as you're there with me. As long as you're there to tell me every once in a while when I get discouraged and I get weary, be of good cheer. You're bearing witness of me, and you're still going to fulfill the will that I have for you. It's just going to go a different way than you imagine, but you're going to get the wrong, Paul. You're going to finish your course. You're going to fulfill my will for your life, but it's just going to happen a different way than you thought it was going to happen. Oh, child of God, may our goal, the goal be of every Christian this morning, that I just bring honor and glory to his name. And if I've got to, if I've got to drag myself through this life, because of physical infirmity, then so be it. I want to bring honor and glory to his name. Whatever it is, child of God, this morning, why don't we turn that burden over to him? Why don't we surrender our will to him?